Hey everybody, my name is Ben and I'm here with my buddy Kyle. Hello. And we are bringing to the world for the first time ever our podcast named Unearned Confidence. If you listen long enough, you'll understand why. Welcome to our show. All right, so today the uh, the the topic that we want to discuss today is fully charged. Uh, which Kyle, was awesome. Oh my god, so good. We uh, we flew down to Austin, Texas, to take part in the first fully charged. Fully charged for the uninitiated is a British-based YouTube show that covers everything electric vehicle, and it is in typical British fashion. It's incredible. Uh, it's hosted by uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Robert Llewellyn, who was indeed in Austin up through Friday, uh, February, uh, actually January 31st. And then, What was his deal? He had some kind of back thing going on? Yeah, unfortunately, he's got a, uh, a chronic back injury that um, he's got a specialist back in the UK that is, uh, you know, it's where he needed to be. So he had to, to bail on Saturday morning, and and, uh, and it was real, you know, it was upsetting for those of us who wanted to to, to listen to him talk because he's just a, you know, a wealth of knowledge. But uh, it was far more upsetting for him because this is his baby, and uh, he really hated having to leave. I wonder what the issue was. Like, I wonder what his injury is. I mean, imagine being in so much pain that you're, like, in another part of the world, and you're like, no, I got to leave now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and think about being on stage where you're sitting in your chair and there's no, uh, you can't sit there and necessarily squirm and, uh, or stand up and walk around and, and right, whatever. So right. I'm sure it was, uh, uh, certainly legit. And, uh, anyway, he put out a Twitter that morning, uh, apologizing to the, to the world for, uh, missing the, uh, the event. So, um, we wish him the, uh, a speedy recovery and, uh, yes. Can't wait to go back next year for sure. So uh, the the event was held at the uh, Circuit of Americas. and Which, uh, I got to say, was the best venue decision ever. <laughs> yeah, we weren't certain if this was purposeful. Um, but the juxtaposition... So, so this Saturday morning when we showed up, it was actually Saturday afternoon because we got in kind of late up from our flight. But when we get there to the track, you know, we figured we'd just kind of go up to the front and walk in and not considering that it's over a, you know, a gigantic, vast open space with lots of uh, uh, areas to enter and egress. And so we show up and expect and just kind of walk to the front door and and it uh, didn't quite work that way. We have we had this long uh, journey, uh, which was really cool, but it, we, we, we had this journey into the track and all racing through the tracks were Corvettes and Porsches and just <laughs> going ape shit, flying by. And it's it's like uh, the Weekend Warriors, but they're legit cars, GT3s and things like that. So it was it was super cool. But but juxtapose that against the idea that we're in EV land or going to an EV event, you know, a battery-sponsored nerd event. In Texas, no less. <laughs> just to add to the... Strange irony. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we, what do we walk a good mile, mile and a half, something like that to get in? Enough to get a sunburn. Yeah. <laughs> Finally arrived. And then as soon as we get there, we realized we could have just taken a uh, a Tesla Model X or Model 3 in right. luxury and just been driven right up to the front. Alas. But, you know, 
That's what happens when you pay attention to details like I do. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. We got to see some cool cars driving around. Oh, yeah. It was nice to get in some warm weather. Oh, it was so nice, Uh, particularly that weekend. They kept saying, what was the phrase they used? It was Chamber of Commerce weather, I think was. Oh, yeah. I still haven't looked that up. Me either. I don't know what that means. I think it's. This weekend, I heard a lot of things that I don't know what it means. <laughs> like everyone we talked to had to be a solid order of magnitude more intelligent than me. But, you know, I just stay quiet and that. <laughs> That's very humble of you, Kyle. We know it's not true. <laughs> there were some smart dudes. I mean, we got to talk to who is the two two professors from University of Texas. Is that where they were from? Yeah, Rich and his buddy. And I, 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 uh, I don't. I don't have their names in front of me, but we we uh, we met these these uh, straight away. We got in at three p.m. and it was, the event was basically over at five. However, Rivian hosted a, a free beer party afterwards, and so thank you, Rivian. Yeah, we 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 rolled up just presuming we could go grab a IPA, and and uh, that wasn't happening. But it, it turns out it was for a good reason. You know, everybody's getting to test drive cars and bikes and stuff, and I'm presuming they just didn't. Want any good old Texas DUIs happening? Fair enough. Yeah. So, but uh, kind enough at the end, Rivian, and it it seemed to not run out, and I was trying to make it run out, but it didn't run out. So, <laughs> we uh, straight away ran into a couple of professors and uh, entrepreneurs uh, from the University of Texas in Austin, and uh, that was uh, a goldmine of information and just great, great time talking to these guys about what I didn't know. Did you know about Texas and their wind farms and how much energy they produce? No, I had no clue. Apparently, so if, if they were their own country, they'd be fourth in the world for wind energy. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I, unfortunately I had some, some wrong preconceptions, preconceived notions rather about Texas. Uh, and they're extremely progressive as it goes to wind generation uh, they got a great state for it, lots of vastness, lots of wind. And uh, uh, so learning about that from those guys was was super cool. Uh, Rich, in particular, uh, was uh, helped to coordinate uh, with the fully charged folks over in the UK and get them set up. And and so uh, he, uh, he, he was really uh, a great find right off the get-go. Uh, what did you think of the size of the event? Like, what did you think? Were you, were you were you like fully aware this is the first time this has ever happened, or did it seem like it was a more developed event? Uh, I came into it thinking it was going to be gigantic. Yeah, and I was actually pleasantly surprised that it was this small niche kind of nerdy thing. Yeah, like I felt like I was at the ground floor of some new little flowering nonviolent revolution or something (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty much uh i i think i was walking in going you know the track's huge there's other events going on there's race cars running all over the place but once i sort of settled on what is fully charged it was it was pretty small and i was kind of like well man this won't take long to see but then uh something magical happened we started meeting people left and right and they, it it was just full of amazing people that at, that are you know tip of the spear when it comes to technology uh, that's going to move our planet forward, move us as a species forward. Um, but the event itself was pretty small. But there were an enormous amount of talks given by you know all sorts of industry leaders, whether it's people working in finance, uh, 
podcasters, YouTubers that, uh, you know, chronicle the latest goings-ons with uh, Tesla et al. and everybody in between. Uh, there were lots of uh, exhibits um, that were, you know, either tangentially related. Like, we, I think we met a, a company that's a budding company out there that's that's working on how to fully dispose of spent batteries. And, uh, and That was cool. Yeah, I mean, they, they went through their technology, and that was, was really amazing. It's, it's like every aspect of owning an electric vehicle is being considered from development through disposal yeah this is gonna probably sound a little bit hyperbolic but you know any convention i've ever been to it's kind of like they can be fun or whatever but it's nothing that's real like per perception altering but that one i walked away from like uh with a renewed sense of faith and people <laughs> like without a doubt yeah like it, i just couldn't I don't know. I get something about actually being in person with people and talking to them and seeing the work that they're, you know, busting their ass on S super competent people. It kind of made me think like, okay, you know, it's the, the world has a chance. <laughs> yeah. No joke. And the, the, the cool thing was, and you sort of alluded to this just a moment ago about how it felt like you're at the beginning, you're, 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 you you got to rub elbows with all of the influencers in the industry for sure. Just right there. You could just walk right up and talk to anybody. Uh, and, 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 you know, at the same time, um, it felt like a swap meet meets the future. Yeah. Like, yeah. like there, you knew that there was such an energy there that the world is shifting to this this bold new technology and really smart, the smartest people, the smartest people on the planet are tackling the world's biggest issues successfully. I know if I could put like a, uh, like a personality to this whole thing that's going on, you know, you've got obviously Tesla's kind of the tip of the spear and then everything else behind them, this wave of, of new effort that's happening in the world. It's like Gandhi meets Conor McGregor. <laughs> And it's just smashing dudes, but it's the right dudes. And it's exactly. like, it's like very verbose about it and yeah, earned confidence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. So we, while, while there, um, so to give you an idea of what it, what it, like the setup was outside as you walked up, um, or were dropped off, there were, um, there was an area for just the original Tesla Roadsters and, as much as I've been a Tesla fan and all that, I've never been up close to a Tesla Roadster. And there were probably, I don't know, what would you say, six or ten there? Yeah. Yeah. A bunch. And uh, they, they were, I think, all from local Austin area enthusiasts that uh, came and brought their vehicles. So you could get up close to them. And... Those seats look comfortable, huh? <laughs> the car itself looked like something you strapped on. You could definitely see the uh, the elements of Lotus uh, yeah. there, you know, and, and their original design, it was no doubt beautiful, beautiful car. But as I looked at it, I'm looking at the, the driver and passenger seat, which is all there is. It looked like they were three millimeters off the ground. Yeah. Like, was nuts. man, <laughs> I would not want to hit a bump, but I guess what they represented, they were like something like 200 miles of range. Yeah. Super fast. Yep. They were, uh, and they're OG. I wish I had one in my garage. Oh man. Someday. Right. Someday, maybe. So, what else was out there? We had the uh, we had the 
definitely had several new model Teslas by, I believe, the local Austin Tesla. I don't know if I'm saying this right, because I, I don't know how the sales goes in Texas. I don't think they're uh, free to sell them like we can in Colorado. Oh, here. okay. But some representative of Tesla, Texas, was there, and they had several vehicles that they were showcasing and helped drive people in. Right, yeah, I forget the name. But then there was, um, I think EV West was there. Oh, yeah. They had that sick Porsche that the Now You Know guys got to take out on the track. Did you see that? Oh, my gosh. That was so sick with the wide hips and uh, they had it was like a it was like a off white or an ivory white Porsche with like Burberry <laughs> interior <laughs> like it was sexy. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was cool. Um, I never got a chance to talk to Michael Bream of EV West, um, personal hero, but uh, I did talk to some of his uh, his his counterparts and. Uh, staff and things like that. And, they, and I was curious about, you know, I, he's been working on Ewan McGregor's uh, V-Dub. Oh, that's right. And uh, and that's finished, and apparently he's totally thrilled with it, and he's got two or three others that he's got in the queue. That's cool. And, you know, here 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 I was daydreaming. I'm like, you know, I'm particularly in love with their, uh, their 911-style conversions where they put a Model S uh, motor uh, in the back of that thing. And it, they're just super sick. Uh, and I'm like, well, so, you know, I heard there's a little bit of a cue and he's like, yeah, three, three to four years. <laughs> like, that's, okay. And that's awesome. Cause it just means that, you know, even for what might be or their original hobbyist ideology is now full blown. They sell the conversions. In fact, doing them in shop like you and McGregor, is I think represents a smaller portion of their business as opposed to your ability to go online and order the entire kits to convert, you know, whatever kind of car you're right. working on. So EV West was incredible. Um, there were uh, uh, a couple of other um, folks out there that were showing off their different types of conversion kits and things like that. And I saw a BMW 1600 Shelby. Yeah, Shelby Cobra kit. It was a kit Cobra, but but beautiful nonetheless. And um, Mini Cooper. Mini Cooper. The old ones. <laughs> the old school, right. And they had them in the... The, the, the conversions were beautiful. Um, but it looks like all of these conversions, they um, they make a... The big key is to, to fabricate a faceplate that interfaces between the original transmission and the electric motor. Mm -hmm. So what's really cool about them <clears throat> is you can still use the shift uh, mechanism within them, but it sounds like most people just put it in second gear and leave it there. Oh, really? Yeah, you're not you're not revving out uh, like you would with a, a normal aspirated engine. You just put it in second. It has such enormous torque. It goes, and it, it doesn't need you now. People sometimes people switch, you know, maybe two gears, but generally speaking, you can just leave it and go. And so that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's, so so an electric motor just can deal with higher RPMs in a way that ice can't. Exactly. And the the power the power curve is much more linear as opposed to like a parabolic curve that you would have in mm -hmm. an ice engine where there's a you know point of diminishing returns and a build up to peak power. Right. So these guys like have as I understand it, all their power right up front, which is, uh, 
pretty I bad. believe it. If you're ever getting an EV and have someone stomp on it, good luck getting your head off the headrest. Yeah. And it, funny enough, I had never uh, driven one until about a month or two ago when we bought my wife's Model 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been up close to them. I had, you know, definitely was thinking, man, this is something very interesting. Uh, but when I drove it, and this is not even a performance Model 3. This is a long-range Model 3, 325-ish miles of range, and it's blistering fast. <laughs> like, you drove it. What did you think? Uh, it shocked me. And, I, and I've been a fangirl for a long time. I just hadn't been in one yet. And it still surprised me and amazed me. And I got out of that thing just like, okay, what can, what, how can I sell sell my body so I can get one of these or something. <laughs> Plasma and sperm. If yeah. you can hawk those two for cash. All right, at, done. Yeah. My week, my, my week's full. Yeah. So it, that, that to me, um, the, the, the technology now that's out there, and I know Tesla's driving a lot, but so are a lot of others coming up. Uh, in so, particular Rivian. Question for you is yeah. when you got your, your, Model Three, I know that um, that you ended up investing heavily into their into their stock. Was that the deciding factor? Was it the Model Three that was like, okay, they're doing something huge, and now I can touch it and feel it and see it, or or was it more just paying attention to the fundamentals of the company? Yeah, no, good question. You know, for for one, anybody that knows me, I'm a data guy. You know, I like to have like, I like I you know, there's certainly passion behind uh, my decision to to buy uh tesla stock but but it's but it's it's data and the data this is before owning a uh a tesla but the data on them was so compelling uh the duration of you know the 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 durability of an ev platform the lack of maintenance required the speed the now range the ability to charge from your home and never buy gas all of the sort of compelling things that are not just limited to Tesla, but are a part of the uh, EV world uh, were already things that had my attention. Uh, then uh, we, we hadn't bought one yet, but then I, I started looking at, at what Tesla was doing that nobody else, and when I say nobody else, I mean the big auto manufacturers, uh, BMW, Mercedes, Ford, GM, um, and so on, did not appear to be taking EV seriously. And by that, I mean it requires build-out of dedicated uh, chassis. You know, like, I don't think it's going to work really well to, to supplant a battery and electric motor into a, an ICE vehicle platform. It's not designed for it. And there's a lot of uh, trade to do so. The so they, they not only were they they're just thinking well at the last minute they could take their their building know how and say well we'll just put an electric motor in there after Tesla or Rivian or something develops really great technology and we'll 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 borrow some of that and go on. <clears throat> they, it 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 looks like they haven't paid attention to the core competencies in battery tech. Uh, in battery uh, you know the natural resources to have high volume battery production done for them. 
And Tesla's been working on this from nearly the get-go. They've got their own Gigafactory One in Nevada is just a battery factory. And I think I, I may have this wrong, but I believe it's about nine and a half million square feet of capacity Insane. for batteries. Now, it's not just batteries for the vehicles. It's also batteries uh, for their power walls, um, right. the, the, the Tesla storage units. Um, but uh, the, 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 what they've put into scale is massive. So anyway, long story short, to answer your question about uh, batter, or uh, rather investing in Tesla, I invested before we got the car based on uh, the data, what I was seeing with them positioning themselves, the, the, the feedback from people that own them, the almost evangelistic type yeah. attitudes that you get. You know, it's, it's not unlike talking vegan to some people or right. talking CrossFit with other people. Right. There is an enormous passion, and I get behind that. I mean, there's reasons why people get cultish. It's not all just uh, Stockholm Syndrome. It's legit things that make people passionate. And all the data is there to support that. Mm -hmm. So I, I, uh, yeah, I, I have to full disclosure. Yeah. I bought some Tesla stock, not a whole lot, but some stock, uh, about six or eight months ago, I guess uh, a little before August, um, when it was trading around two twenty a share or something like that. And now daddy's rolling in it. <laughs> well, I think it's the price has come up. Uh, it, it was moving sideways for, for several years. Um, and it wasn't really the, you know, <laughs> this could be a topic for a whole nother um, uh, podcast, but you know, the pressures that have been against Elon Musk and Tesla from just these tiny things like big oil, big auto, you know, more than a trillion dollars worth of industry. Oh, is that all? Not wanting him to exist. Insane. So the stock has moved sideways and, you know, some of his antics, uh, those, those are fodder for, the naysayers to exploit and all that. But when you look at what they've done, where they set out what Elon said he was going to do 2006 to where they are right now, he is tracking almost perfectly. That, so that's a part you and I have not ever really talked about with him is he like sets an intent, he vocalizes it and then he just like does it. And it can be decades into the future. Like, that's kind of a shocking, weird thing that just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know how to process that because I know that there are things I've sent my intent to in my life and being able to hold to that. I just like have never been able to, I feel like if I were to say that to him, he'd look at me like you're pathetic. Well, you definitely in today's world, we are trained to not think long-term. But if you go back, and, and certainly if you look at other cultures, particularly Asian cultures, uh, where they plan things, you know, beyond the life of the person doing the planning. They're thinking about their society. Sure. They're thinking about their culture. They're thinking about their species even, oftentimes. And I think in today's world, particularly as you consider the stock market, where the rules were changed more than a decade ago um, to allow leadership to exercise their options immediately. Uh, when that dynamic occurred in our stock market, wherein you could make a decision, you're, a, you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and you make a decision uh, that you know is going to pulse the stock tomorrow or even today, 
the rules used to be that you had to hang on to that stock for a number of years so that your decision would ultimately have time to come to fruition, good or bad. Okay. But you might make a decision to go with some really cheap parts and whatever thing it is you manufacture because you know it'll pop the stock tomorrow and you won't be around. You'll, you and your money will be gone uh, when those things deteriorate and cause a major problem for the company. Sure. So that is omnipresent in today's world of business. Fortunately, there are organizations out there that are trying to change it, get people to think longer terms like be certified and things like that, uh, which you know Patagonia and other companies are a part of where they're looking at their presence on this planet beyond today and beyond the current stock price. All of that idea of looking to the future is what simply Elon has been doing from the beginning. Yeah. He's looked it's at... just how he's geared, it seems like. Yeah. And I, I think actually, and it's not to diminish his genius. Without a doubt, the man is a genius. But if all of us thought more pragmatically about the future, in other words, we thought like, man, how, how I want to kind of plan my life, not to take the flavor out of it, but plan how I live and what I want to accomplish in the next three, five, ten years and have a bit of an outline for that, there is almost certainly going to be a high probability of you executing on a good portion of that just mathematically. If you plan it, it will happen. Mentality. Sure. I think that's what's happened. And I think that's what's uh, going on with uh, Tesla. And I think that's why a lot of the manufacturers of Vado are, uh, if not now, which I believe it is now, but if not now, in the very near future, caught with their pants down. It almost seems like they're they're playing a different game too. Like they're big auto can't get out of the mindset of playing the game that they've been playing all along. And you know, Elon's big thing is first principles thinking. You know, mm -hmm. don't don't take an assessment of the environment, or don't take an assessment of your competition, but just kind of try to make it the best as if they weren't there. Um, and, and don't use analogy or you know, I'm sure that someone can speak to first principles thinking better than I can, but. Um, the the way that he's approached developing a car with autonomous driving in mind, the safest car on the planet in mind, the battery production, like you've said, like obviously that was an important facet of the business. He jumped right on that. No one seems to be thinking that way. Not even you know Rivian, as cool as they are. I feel like there's they're they're just it's not as a holistic of an approach. They're they seem to be approaching it a lot more like Big Auto is. Yeah, agreed. And and specifically Big Auto, uh, <clears throat> the entrenched players. It's important to note, apart from Tesla, it's been 100 years since a new car, car manufacturer has come about. Right. 100 years. That's how hard it is to do this. And and it's and 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 there is just enormous pressure to 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 fold mm -hmm. to to but if you are going to succeed, embracing the embracing this uh, forward thinking, holistic approach to uh, production is what is making Tesla currently work. And and what's happening, I think, in the boardrooms of the entrenched players, is that there is there's one realization that they all must come to, and probably have, and that is in order for EV to work, they ha you have to go all in. And that means cannibalizing your current ICE sales, which are the massive pipelines of funds right now for those big manufacturers. So they have to 
in order to go EV, can't kind of dabble with it like they've tried to do. They have to go all in. You have right. to make that that judgment and do it. Sure. And I'm, I'm not seeing the evidence, apart from a little bit of V-dub, that that's happening really anywhere. I think there's platitudes. I think there's people building platforms forward, certainly with the Mustang Mach-E, I believe it's called. Yeah. And, and a couple of others are are showing that they're serious about making a model, but they're not serious about getting rid of the ice. Right. You know, and, and if you were serious about EV, I think you just have to say, man, this these two are not uh, compatible. Right. Our planet's not compatible. I wonder how serious Toyota is with the uh, fuel cell stuff, if that's just a PR thing or if they do, in fact, think that that's going to disrupt even the EV market. Yeah, so so what you're saying is is that that, that to- Toyota went all in on uh, hydrogen, yeah, and um, you know it it and they have a lot of lot of bright people and a lot of capital to pursue that in earnest. But unfortunately for Toyota, that is not proving out at least at this time to be viable like uh, lithium battery storage is. It's just just not and and the big problem there there's there's more than one problem but one of the biggest problems is containment mm-hmm. and the production of uh, uh hydrogen in a meaningful way to get into a car and go it has on paper it's it's pretty badass i mean it's yeah you know, omni abundant it's it's the most abundant uh f- form of uh fuel that we we have available um, but containment and uh, usability is just not there well, apparently the the current version of the the pumps that they fill off of, it takes the after you fill a tank with hydrogen, it takes the pump fifteen minutes just to get the tank that you fill off of back to yeah. pressure that you can fill off of again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so it's really it is it's it's obvious that that's not going anywhere right now. I'm I'm certainly not saying it doesn't have a future. You know, fifty years from now or something like that, but. Um, the, everybody that is going in says, man, it's, it's battery and Tesla's proving it out that it's really, that's the, that's the ticket right now. Now is a fuel cell, sorry, is a fuel cell, it's still an electric motor, right? They just use electrolysis to create electricity as opposed to storing it in a battery. Exactly. That's exactly what's going on. So you have the plate set up, you have, uh, the, 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 um, Fusion, I guess. I don't know if you'd call it fusion, actually. But the, 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 the process, uh, the chemical process, creates uh, an imbalance in energy. And that basically runs or powers a battery, which runs a Got it. runs the motor. So if you solve um, storage, then I feel like hydrogen is just, it's unlikely to ever be something that people are going after. The, the other element is um, volatility. Yeah. Uh, there's a little element of, uh, you know, and again, this is uh, smart minds. Things can be overcome. So I'm not here to say, nope, that'll never work. I'm not, I don't think like that. But definitely uh, the volatility, volatility of hydrogen is real. And, um, you know, uh, we, we don't need car crashes to result in a, you know, a, a, a 20-foot crater. Right. Yeah. Preferably. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so ex- exciting things happening. I, I just think in, in Toyota's case, um, they and, and others, unfortunately, really smart businesses. I, I'm just surprised 
how they haven't embraced electric like they should. And they're they're all of a sudden now just scrambling, going, Oh shit. Yeah. Oh shit. Tesla is they're they're getting to scale and they've got it all lined up. All the pieces, parts, man. Tesla's got it lined up. So um there's a reason why, you know, even for the naysayers to to uh to to agree that uh, their valuation basically is bigger than all the American manufacturers combined. They're bigger than VW Group, the second biggest auto manufacturer in the world, and they're now just trailing Toyota Group. Hmm. That's it. You know, a hundred and something change in uh, market cap. Well, and so, so. It, and this was kind of like we watched that one talk it had Gally Russell, Ben Solins, yeah, Zach and Jesse from Now You Know, and they were talking about basically. Uh, well, one of the subjects anyways that was covered was whether or not Big Auto is going to survive. And it was kind of met with a resounding, <laughs> fuck no. <laughs> like, Unfortunately, I mean, I, that may be, you know, uh, they may hang on longer than we think. They've got deep pockets. They There could be acquisitions. You know, maybe Rivian is helping Ford to get to a place. But I still don't. And, and, and maybe it's out there. And maybe Rivian's already doing it. I have no reason to believe they wouldn't be smart and pursue the materials to have battery supply. But I think a lot of these were just like, you know, Hey, we'll cook up, hook up with LG chem and, or Panasonic and, and they'll just bring us the the batteries and, and, uh, but, uh, some of them will have a better shot than others. VW is definitely acknowledging that the only future is EV. The CEO is saying it. He's saying that Tesla's got a massive head start there and that, that is encouraging talk. It's a, it's a day late and a dollar short as far as I'm concerned, but it's in, it's important to acknowledge that because if you don't, you're lying to yourself. You're bullshitting yourself, and you, you we all know where that goes. You can't get anywhere in this world if you are bullshitting about who and where you are and where the rest of the world is. If you do that, you're, you're, you're sunk. So at least hearing VW CEO acknowledge where the world is and where it's going is real good. Ford embracing making an f-150e uh is semi-encouraging um and how much they've invested into rivian is yeah uh, what, 500 could, million or something like that or yeah i don't know i can't remember the number but it was it was up there and uh, I, I would imagine there's they're gonna be importing that skateboard technology from rivian and applying it absolutely to, that kind of seems like a good approach yeah and to the uninitiated, uh, and I'm sure most people, if we if we, if we are uh, lucky enough to build an audience, will already know Rivian and know more about them than, than uh, Kyle and myself. But Rivian is a startup electric-only vehicle manufacturer that is, I believe they're branding themselves as adventure vehicles. And so they have, a, they have what's right now, they, in the 2018 LA Auto Show, shocked the world because they had been in production with, or not production but rather development of these vehicles for over 10 years right nobody knew nobody knew and they just show up at the la auto show with these most the most gorgeous evs ever with specs that are stupid like hmm. up to 500 miles of range yeah and zero to 60 in under three seconds quad motor truck they can do a tank turn <laughs> yeah so rivian uh led by rj scarenge he's a I believe a PhD from MIT, and uh, but also looks like Superman. So, 
Yeah, I'm sure his life sucks. But uh, <laughs> they uh, came about, and they've been getting, I was reading in Crunchbase, they've been getting some form of funding since around 2011, at least that's disclosed. But the the bigger rounds of funding are the more popular or, or uh, the ones that we all know about are, I believe, the Saudi, I don't know if it was a sovereign fund or whatever, the Saudi uh, folks invested uh, some form of hundreds of millions of dollars into them, and then Ford uh, came in, I would believe, with around $500 million of investment. Amazon. That Jeff Bezos with Amazon came in, and I believe it was $700 million, and said, uh, oh, and by the way, a few months later, we, uh, for probably, I'm assuming it's for their last mile, the last mile of delivery, the delivery vans uh, that we would, you know, like like UPS drives the brown trucks and so on. They're making Tesla, or I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, Amazon has partnered with Rivian to make 100,000 electric-only delivery vehicles, and they're developing, developing them from scratch. Uh, and that's, it, people are estimating anywhere from 4 to $10 billion worth of revenue oh, wow. alone just in. So not only is it a, you know, a, uh, you've got something we want, you're doing something right, but it's also lots of revenue yeah. to, to iterate and get better and better. Their so. design is sick. Design well, is sick. We got to talk to one of their designers and he, he was, Oh yeah. He's, well, I, I would have never guessed that he was on a team that was just crushing it like that. He was, and it, what, the other guy, what was the other guy? Security engineer for their software, I believe. Yeah. So he, uh, as I understand it, that's the guy we shared the uh, Uber with. Yeah. Uh, we we had a few drinks. Andrew, shout Uber. out to Andrew. Andrew with with <laughs> Rivian. If you ever listen, buddy. Yeah. Uh, fun fun times hanging out in the Uber. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He he works in security of the various software elements of uh, of Rivian. So that, I think they're thinking about all of the important stuff. Um, and, right. Uh, you know, I wish them the best of luck. Uh, all of them. I mean, even the big auto. Uh, I'm I'm not happy that you guys ignored it, but I got to see the bigger picture, and that's the solvency of our uh, planet and our species. So I guess I'm gonna say it. <laughs> fuck big auto, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I Diesel don't get wrong. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Killing I mean, people. Fuck or how that. about what they did against Ralph Nader? Ralph Nader fought for ten years to get seatbelts in cars. Right. And they just wanted to cover their bottom line. And so they would. Yeah. They sat here and went to war, and kept seatbelts out of cars until a shitload of people died, and Absolutely. their hand was forced. And, and what you're, what you're, I think, illustrating is a need for a change in. I, I'm not a socialist. I don't want to have anything to do with socialism. I, I don't. I, I believe in capitalism as it relates to bringing out the best in the human spirit. Uh, we're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're hardwired in such a way that if given a challenge and given an opportunity to succeed on a grand scale, we can do all kinds of amazing shit. I want Elon Musk to be the richest motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> and not because I think he, I don't even think he gives a shit. I don't think he cares if he has a hundred million or a, 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 a hundred billion. I don't really think he, he measures the success of his life with zeros. Uh, sure, he lives large in some ways, but uh, but I think that he really cares about meeting his original goals of making us an interplanetary species. And by doing so, and, and, and in order to get there, we got to preserve the planet long enough to develop that tech. I mean, right. it's as simple as that. Yep. And so 
with that comes solving all, all sorts of problems, transportation problems, distribution problems, you know, and, and uh, climate problems, things like that. It's been interesting to watch this, um, this shift in like organizational motivations mm-hmm. where, you know, you've seen um, businesses mainly, but like big corporations, they've been driven by, you know, they're like quarterly report mostly. And, yeah. and now we're seeing so much success come out of this, this like organizational motivation that's more about ethics and morality and doing the right thing and and more people get behind that more people get excited about it their customers are more fanatical yeah and i wonder what caused that shift and why that never existed previously you you know i think this is where university help does come in we all we can we can rag on uh certain university environments and say that they're you know they're an echo chamber and things like that but i think one of the things that is important in our education system, particularly as it relates to universities in America, is we have to study issues holistically and get to the root cause. And a lot of our problem in America comes back to sort of one of those original things I was talking about, is what is the corporate structure charged with doing? What is what is in their bylaws? What is allowed for them to be done? What should be in there? And are they the same? And I think this is where interesting things like B Certified, uh, B Corps, as they're known, an organization out of Pennsylvania that was started roughly 10 years ago by three guys. And I think they were hedge fund fellas that kind of got sick of the Wall Street life and realized, and maybe just was way of their exposure and talking to academia, they realized that we have to make a change at at the top of organizations we have to make a meaningful change, like with real teeth, in order to, to change the world. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's very obvious in America and elsewhere that, you know, uh, corporate America owns everything. They yeah. own how we think, talk, breathe, and they can control us very easily. And again, this right isn't, it isn't knocking capitalism. It's knocking how our corporate structures work. And what these companies that embrace B Corp's values do is actually put language in their bylaws, which suddenly makes it um, a a real structure that they have to follow that looks at things like um, how are people, how is humanity affected by your organization? What, how much do you pollute? How much of your energy that you consume producing things or housing people or whatever is renewable energy? Uh, how long does it take an, your average employee to get to work and so on and so forth? There's, there's many, many, many of these, which I'm not totally familiar, even though in my businesses I'm, I'm gearing up to, to, to bring us to that sort of thing. Um, I am seeing that it is proving out, and the businesses that are becoming B certified or have been for some period of time are highly successful. Um, for example, Yvonne Chouard and uh, Patagonia, the founder of Patagonia has taken that company and his team has taken that company and, and uh, brought them to uh, this certification and it's wonderful. It's, it's really good for their bottom line. Do you think that they created those market forces that led to you know organizations being more ethical or are they like a byproduct of it. Like my mind, the first place my mind goes to is like the internet kind of increasing the level of transparency 
You know, I feel like just by trading more information more regularly, the the society tends to understand what's going on behind the scenes better. I think if I understand you correctly, I think you're asking what's the genesis of, of that, those sorts of movements, how they occur, what, what's, what sort of dynamics are occurring in the world that someone would arrive at, hey, man, we need to do this differently. And I think probably, yeah, the Internet, just access to information. There's a lot of bullshit out there, but access to information allows people to, to actually dive deep into things like corporate responsibility and why is this company doing this? We can see in real time people doing shitty things. It's mm-hmm. not terribly challenging to go, that's just bad decision-making. That's short-sighted. That's greed. Um, and, then, and then on top of it, you've got companies that lend themselves, I think, into this uh, would, would probably be, like if I were picking out the initial cadre of businesses that would be involved in like B Certified, B Corp, um, it wouldn't be hard for me to pick Patagonia. They've always had a th- ethos that's pretty much earth-driven. And uh, Ben and Jerry's is another example. I mean, those guys have been a pretty, uh, yeah. they're, they're, they're philanthropists to begin with, but uh, that, that organization is ran by a couple of people that are quite keen on, on uh, doing good for humanity. Right. So, but uh, I have a, a, a buddy who is uh, in private equity. Uh, he's a he's a kind of a me- mechanical engineer from trade, and then you know went on to uh, do things in fluid dynamics and got an MBA and found himself you know I think at one point like writing a- algorithms to predict market indices, and he got into money and but you know he was also quite keen on the environment, so he would bring his sustainability ethos to these private equity organizations. And really put up a strong case for the for a strong financial case for being sustainable for profit, and he could illustrate it in a gr- with a great deal of of uh, uh, you know technical competence. Yeah, and he has since, and I know he's got a team that works on this, or it's 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 even higher level than him. But he's now at one of the larger private equity groups on the planet in London and they have the distinction of being the first private equity group that has gone B certified. They've gotten their certification. That's that's not easy. Yeah, it is badass. And particularly when you look at the types of people that are attracted to uh, private equity or what rather private equity tries to do oftentimes, you know, they go in and, and they see a, a distressed company and they'll gut it uh, in a very, sometimes very callous way, right. uh, not necessarily always doing what's good for humanity or anything other than just a big payday. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not knocking them in particular just because that's the way our system's set up, but, um, the, the B certified significantly changes how they have to operate and not just themselves, but the organizations that they acquire. Yeah. That, that's uh, apparently that, that the emphasis of B certified goes downline to the organizations they're buying. So I'm all for it. I think that's just totally badass. No, totally. I, I love, I love seeing this trend of um, people kind of using the levers of capitalism as a form of activism almost. Where exactly. It's, like, it's just so much more powerful than carrying a placard down the street. Like, yeah, I, I hope more people point their effort toward capitalistic 
forms of social change. Indeed. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You, you just made me think of something. You know, one of the... the something I never want to become is preachy. And I, and I probably already sound that way. But I really... I, I do see how stupid being preachy is. I mean, whether it's an evangelist getting you to convert to whatever you know, God they believe in or anybody else, lots of times we're turned off by somebody, you know, saying I'm up here and you're down here and I need you to bring you up to me. We're all on this fucking makes, journey together, makes man. Makes my skin crawl. Totally, totally. So, you know, my house, we we're lucky to have solar power. We got an EV. I compost. My wife composts. We try to eat less meat and shit like that. And the last thing I want to do is hear that shit out of my mouth because I know that the person across from me is going, shut the fuck up. Check your privilege. Check your privilege. (laughs) (laughs) We got a few things to talk about from that were still pretty cool. We haven't we haven't gotten to on uh, uh, our trip to Austin at Fully Charged. What was the biggest surprise that you weren't expecting? to see oh bro that ev1 we walk around the corner there's a fucking ev i didn't even know ev1 still existed i tripped over it <laughs> i was like oh my god no way that was almost like a religious experience <laughs> it, it pretty much was it, it this is it, it had you saw this too man it was the first day that we were there there was a sign on it that said you know don't touch or sit on it was like a little here the car is green so it, there was this handwritten clashing pink post-it note that you know was put on by there by some one of the fucking engineers that was standed by it <laughs> handwritten just said don't sit in or don't touch or something along those lines it wasn't snarky but it was just matter of fact don't fucking touch it yeah and or don't sit in it and uh and then the, the, <laughs> the next day what did the the new post-it note say on it the the profit incentive took hold and they were like you can sit in this shit for 20 bucks <laughs> <laughs> it was cool and you know like I, one of the things that during that roundtable discussion with the uh, various uh podcasters the the subject of the EV1 came up and the gal from fully charged the american gal she was pushing back on cuz there was we were it was almost getting like you know cult like talk about EVs and how great they are and Tesla and this, that, and the other and everything else sucks. And Tesla's the inventors of it all. Tesla's, Tesla has done it really, really well, but they didn't invent all of it. Yeah, sure. And that EV1 was a, at, at, right before it was those cars were destroyed and GM decided not to uh, go any further, big oil. They, uh, they were had they had that vehicle up to a hundred miles yes. of range. Yes, that's twice as much as the original Leaf came out with. Right, you know, two, more than a like what two one and a half decades later. So that GM was on to something. I, what do you think? They kicked themselves in the ass for not pursuing that. Yeah, uh, maybe you remember the guy's name. I forget. It was a CEO of GM. As he stepped down, he oversaw that project, and he said his biggest regret. And his tenure with GM was killing the EV1. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I am sure he's like, fuck. Yeah. And, and for those who don't get it, the when we talk about big oil and big auto, um, they have been coming hard at Tesla. They didn't want, they don't want to give up the golden goose. It's as simple as that. And there's these things, there's people out there called short sellers, which many of us, many of you guys will already know about. But, but for those of you who don't, they bet against companies 
and uh, they're betting against like a Teslas of the world and um, and oftentimes those aren't just individual tiny investors trying to little make a buck. They're big, uh, big you know oil states that are saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try to bury Tesla. We're gonna try to make them obsolete right. and kill their stock. And uh, I think that was one of the reasons why on February fourth the stock went up to almost a thousand dollars. Settled back down, but went up to almost a thousand dollars because shorts covering. Maybe I mean exactly. I know that's a, it's a it's a finite amount of time that your short yeah exists yeah, and you know then there's that that margin call where you know you gotta you gotta meet it, and so it it was sticking it to the shorts, and I think there was a collective uh, energy among the not just the Tesla community, but investors in general who and you know even institutional investors who have uh, plunked down their uh, money on Tesla, just that was a collective buying, right? And uh, and and pushing it higher and higher. But I would say that when it was trading at two twenty ish a share back in August, it was significantly undervalued. It's now settling out today. I think we're at, I haven't looked recently, but this morning it was starting out around seven ninety ish or whatever. Uh, it's anywhere around the seven eight hundred eight hundred fifty dollar range is not inflated like most people are saying. It's where it should be. And there's a couple right. of reasons you can imagine why it needs to be where it is. It was moving sideways for a couple of years, but we got Gigafactory 1, which is, what, 9.5 million square feet in Nevada that just makes batteries. <laughs> and all of the, they, you know, they own mines and things like that. And then you've got Gigafactory 2, which was by way of acquisition of, of uh, Solar City, which is in Buffalo. So that's where they produce all their solar panels, solar roofs, solar glass. Then, and this is the most impressive to me. I don't know what, how you... Yeah. Are you talking about China? Yeah. It went up in a year? Nine months. Like, I mean, what they did with those hospitals in Wuhan was crazy too. It's amazing how they build buildings out there. It's just, it's, it's otherworldly. Are they to code? Is it safe? Oh yeah, oh like, yeah. Not how only do they do it, that, they just work and they 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 organize and they don't. They they they've got their their ability to um, their ability to plan and execute is sort of unparalleled. But I think it's it's part of it is being audacious and saying we need to do this in nine months' time. Something that would normally take three years. We need to do it in nine months' time. And then they plan it, and then they execute. And I know it's far more complicated than that, and I'm sure it's fraught with any number of issues, et cetera. But the point is, is dirt, nine months prior, at Incredible. the end of nine months, vehicles rolling off the assembly line in mass. Apparently, they look good, too. The vehicles are, like, good quality. Of course, Yeah. Well, that's a you know again another subject for another podcast. But if we, if we have an old school view of China that cheap metallurgy, cheap plastic junk uh, is all that is pumped out there, you're 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 just repeating it, some old school talking point. It's just not true. China is vastly improved, uh, and they're learning and they iterate super fast. They're you know uh, it's a very smart culture. And uh, they're 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 getting it. So we got uh, China Gigafactory three. We got Gigafactory four, and I think you mentioned you saw the driveway being paved. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, 
so that they've they've uh, they've they've I believe finalized things with the government agencies uh, outside of Berlin <clears throat> to uh, to establish Gigafactory Four, and then of course last week, Elon puts a big teaser Twitter out there. Uh, oh. <laughs> his uh, he did a he did a uh, a poll on where Gigafactory Five should be, and if it, rather if sh- it should be in Texas, and of course there's an overwhel- overwhelming yes. So probably Texas will be Gigafactory Five. Anyway, all of this says that they've created not just a compelling vehicle, which is as Elon would say, is the easy part. Designing a cool vehicle is super easy. Bringing it to scale and production is the motherfucker. Right. And that's what they're doing. And, uh, you know, they, they, they started with the Model 3 in mass production, like serious mass production, which is what their one of their primary goals was. And, it, you know, had hiccups in the first two quarters of doing that. And then they learned, like we do as humans when you're thinking that way. They learned, iterated, and now they're just killing it. They're just killing it. So, yeah, we got, we got to see the EV1. Did you ride one of the electric bikes? Oh yeah, I rode two of them. The uh, the the first one I rode was this little fold up guy, and it was fun. But the other that there's a big cruiser that they had there that uh, it felt like riding a motorcycle. I almost put it through the fucking fence. <laughs> like, I didn't realize how much power they had. Yeah, and they did have us in a pretty narrow pen to drive those. But man, I was just I'm going holy cow! There has been a revolution in bikes, electric bike technology. That I want to just go move to the city and live on a bike. Yeah, I know it. They're sick. The pedal assist thing was is very cool. Yeah, yeah, man. I, it just felt like wow. There is, and what an exciting thing to be working on too is. I mean, that's if you if you can solve or make a compelling electric vehicle that is no more heavy or no heavier than a you know standard steel frame bike, and it's got 40, 50 miles of range. You know, yeah. I mean, that can you imagine what that would do to congestion in in places like Shanghai, Beijing, New York City, Chicago, Denver, even? I mean, it's probably already having an impact. I bet. I, I bet so. Yeah, I'm just way behind the times. I'd, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I would guess China's pumping out EV everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because the answer isn't just creating a bunch of autos. I mean, that's that's interesting to get people thinking. Yeah. And thinking about our actions and how we consume and all that sort of shit. I mean, it was super cool to see the, the Taycan, but that thing was a giant piece of metal, man. Yeah. Gigantic. Fat ass on that thing. It was beautiful. I mean, the, 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 the Porsche Taycan is a compelling vehicle. Um, and I guess people that would buy something like that that spend a minimum of 100 maybe up to 180 grand on a car don't care about big-time range. And I get that. Because um, the second you've got a charger in your garage – you every day you wake up with a full tank of gas. Exactly. So there's, if it's if it's only 200 miles of range, actually it's not terribly bad. If you between two and 300 miles is all you need. It's all you need. I and think I could 100 miles would probably get me through 95 percent of my days without a doubt. Maybe more. Yeah, and then you know, it, but here's this. This also illustrates another lead that that uh, Tesla has, and they've got their charging network with, you know, I don't know, around the world, I, I think I've heard 16,000. 16,000, yep. Yeah. And these aren't, so you can say, well, okay, Electrify America's got theirs and this, that, and the other. And, but right now, it's not like, like 
Tesla has, they're rolling out the version three, I believe it is, supercharger that can basically, my wife's car can be empty and get it to 80% charge or its potential range in like less than 20 minutes. It's just, we did this the other day. We were driving up, went skiing, came back, stopped at the Keystone. There's a supercharger there. Went into the Starbucks, grabbed a coffee. I went, I got it basically to empty or as close as I could get it to that. And it, like 16 minutes later, I'm getting a text message. And that's a, how hard message. is that hard on the battery? Uh, I think that they're the, the part of the, their technology, the, the conditioning, the battery to be charged is really important in the model S and X. They've got an internal system that, that prepares the battery for charging hmm. on the model three. Um, we it has uh it uses the motor it makes the motor very inefficient for just a few minutes to get it to an operating temperature i believe that makes it accept that high rate of charge with minimal damage got it um, cycles on a battery are not perfect but that that uh, we'll, we'll end up having a, a show i think just about maxwell battery technology i think that'd be a good time to to talk about that and where batteries are and how that all works yeah i think is a discussion for a good show but well, and i would imagine after battery investor day a lot's gonna be announced that's pretty exciting exactly exactly but it, all in all going to full of charge in austin was an incredible event i encourage all of you next year uh to go there and there's others there there's there's some in the uk and uh and elsewhere and uh, i i totally support what fully charge is doing with robert llewellyn and uh, wish him a speedy recovery. They did a great show. I was impressed. For the first one, I thought it was awesome. Right on. Well, let's uh, wrap it up. That was a good talk, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back uh, next week.